0: Ciao, here is a conversation with Daniel Perez Palau. Dr. Palau is a professor at the Universidad Internacional de La Rioja. He completed his PhD in mathematics in the Dynamical Systems Group at the University of Barcelona. After that, he joined the French Space Agency as a postdoctoral researcher working on optimization problems. Now, together with teaching, he's focusing on new research areas, such as artificial intelligence. I hope you enjoy it. To support this project, please subscribe to my YouTube channel Connect with me on Twitter and LinkedIn, and support me on Patreon with a monthly membership, following the links in the description. For me as well, the the main point of these conversations is to to fill the gap that COVID
1: left. Uh, it's it's a very nice initiative and a very nice thing that you fill this gap and try to at least um, to join people while we don't have conferences
0: and so yeah. on. Yeah, I feel like I'm I'm looking for, it's also, there's the advantage that I can choose the people to which to, to which to talk to. And yeah. in that sense, I, it's easier. I, I'm not constrained by the conferences. Uh, the, the the people that are attending the conference, <laughs> uh, but at the same time, there's the, I mean, it's not in person, so there's something missing.
1: Yeah, what I always miss is the coffee. <laughs> For me, it's not the same to have the the coffee with between us and just some cookies or something like that. Then it has something that it smooths quite a lot, the, the conversation and so on. Yeah.
0: Okay. You're, you're talking to someone that never attended a conference. Okay. Because This is my first, I mean, I just finished my first year as a PhD. Okay. So I mean, COVID started as soon as I started doing research.
1: Okay. So yeah, So. you have never experienced it, what a coffee break is. And
0: yeah, I can imagine it. Uh, I attended some workshop, uh, but, okay. but yeah, uh, I, I, I can see what's missing and, uh, Actually, I started recording these conversations before the pandemic because mm-hmm. uh, I already felt the urge to to bring together scientists in some way to, to make use of the internet mm-hmm. in some new way uh, to, to, let's say, to, to make conferences virtual. And I could see also looking around now during the pandemic that a lot of groups are now moving to the internet yeah. for, for these kinds of meetings and uh, presentations and and, and also even, conferences themselves.
1: Even PhD dissertations that did something nice, that uh, sometime before the pandemic I couldn't attend to the dissertations because they were like um, half an hour by train plus the time of the uh, of the dissertation and so on. And now since they are public and they are doing them through internet, I can attend most of them because you have their link, you just connect. And so yeah. you, you, there are things that uh, are much better now than, than before. But of course <laughs> we have this personal link then that is losing. But well, we have to stay with the good things and try to not think about the bad ones.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we can start by discussing about how you are coping with the pandemic and how your research is influenced by that. If you can share
1: that. Oh yes. Uh, well, um, I work in a university that uh, works always in a uh, through this through the internet and in distance. So we don't have uh, neither offices, neither physic classes. So all of uh, everything is through internet. So. You can see my office that it's always my office at home <laughs> and from that point of view the pandemic doesn't affect me a lot in terms of the of moving around and so on but uh, our students were m- much more active than before just they had a lot of time so since they have a lot of time uh, we don't have some they work much more than before and we need more time just to attend them to to solve their their problems and so on so since the amount of time is limited uh, there were more time dedicated to the to attend the students and less time to do research so i think that it's something that it were for me it went in the reverse way that a lot of people that they don't have classes to do so they had much more time for doing research and for me had been the the other way around so i am struggling a little bit to mm-hmm. feel time to do research but well from time to time i try to, uh, to at least uh, spend one day doing research every week mm-hmm. and that's quite a lot now so and what are you working on now uh, in your research i am so I I started uh, doing research in astrodynamics and so on, then I moved uh, to Kness and I continued doing, doing things about spacecraft and optimization of trajectories and so on, and now I end up in a group that it's, uh, it's a group that they have a lot of computer scientists and a lot of people working in artificial intelligence and machine learning and things like that. And also this image recognition and so on. So what I am trying to learn their techniques to apply them back uh, to the astrodynamics and celestial mechanics things and so on. So I hope that at some time we can do some kind of optimization things and visual processing and image process processing just to to apply to the things that they have been done just till now with the, their expertise and so on to mix all and wrap everything to to mix all, all of both worlds that are quite interesting. So mm-hmm. I'm in a, a phase of my career that I am still working a little bit in the celestial mechanics but I am also learning new things and Almost is like starting again from uh, the beginning, just to say, okay, what I can take from the artificial, uh, from the AI, AI thing, to bring to my world and to improve my world. So I mean, yeah, in, a, in a stop, uh, uh, in a stop and like thinking time. To, to improve a little bit uh, what I am doing through using other other kind of techniques and so on. Okay.
0: Like what do you, do you already have a vision of which techniques to use coming from AI to be applied in Celestial Mechanics? Or you're, already, you're still um, looking around the AI? Well, the AI. I am
1: looking around and I am working in collaboration with just working in what they are working just to see if it's interesting or not uh, to bring to my topic. For instance, one that one thing that I think that it can be used for sure. It's in one of my works in at Cnes. Uh, we worked about uh, optimization orbits using these uh, indirect methods, and at the end of the day, we did uh, like a massive explorations, and we found a lot of. Uh, Optimal trajectories just to travel from the Earth to the Moon using a low thrust. And we did a lot of work just analyzing trajectory by trajectory, uh, which kind, which, how they look and which kind of uh, devices, like which invariant manifolds they were using and so on, just to say, okay, these are, this is the structure and we can do some kind of families of orbits that they are, that, that, that. each of these optimal trajectories are following. So using these uh, techniques of matching learning and automatic um, uh, grouping and so on, Mm. just to that this kind that it was quite hard and it took us a lot of time because it was just looking orbit by orbit. It can be done automatically by the computer and so on so i think that this will be one of the things that can be done and the second thing that i hope that and this is a very big hope and i am not so sure is about the um, the use of these artificial uh, of the ai uh, but just to optimize things and let the optimizer be like a neural network or something like that that uh, automatically determines which is the magnitude of the trust that you can you have to use or something like that. I hope that this can work also, although it's not quite straightforward. So I am trying to convince some specialists on this topic just to bring them to celestial mechanics and to try to use their expertise to improve the optimization that we are using. So these are the two things that I am working on this more like in the AI. And then from the point of view of image processing that we we have also several, oh yeah, there are several colleagues in, in the group that they're working on that. We started a completely different topic that it's to analyze the atheroma. I don't know if you know what's that. It's uh, yeah. in, in the veins and the arteries of our body. So from time to time, there is some small amounts of calcium or what I don't know exactly what the medical exp- explanation. But the idea is just to analyze the, the tubes of the arteries and be- the veins and to detect things there that some some kind of special formations that appears. So the idea of that is that these techniques can be applied also what I did at the very starting of my career with the larger structures. So just to use this automatic detection of structures to complement the the Lagrangian structures and all these kind of things. So I am like revisiting several things just from a new perspective and from a new point of view that for sure not all of them will work, but I hope that some of them will will go on. Mm-hmm.
0: So you're, you're really researching now uh, uh, you're really looking around for ways to match the new field in which you're entering and everything you know, everything you went through during your PhD and postdoc.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not producing a lot, that's for sure. But I am I am touching a lot of things and trying to to learn a lot of things just to see which can be the new ways to proceed and just to innovate a little bit and to Mm. think A little bit out of the box, on how can yeah. If I can add
0: something, I I saw some works, uh, recent works, produced uh, to perform optimal control using neural networks. So I think that that's already a a a rich uh, field. I mean, it's (laughs) a valuable uh, road to go. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but also the other ideas. I mean, uh, uh, there as interesting as, if not more, particularly the automatic detection of Lagrangian coherent structures. I found it really fascinating and uh, the, the, I think there's some value there. Um, and maybe we can now go back to uh, the, the origin of this conversa- the conversation, let's say. So, uh, I, I called you, uh, I, I, we had the first contact because I was studying your works yep. for, a, for a journal paper I'm working on and your works from your PhD, and in particular, the ones combining the jet transport uh, technique with uh, uh, Lagrangian coherent structures uh, applied to celestial mechanics. So could you maybe expand on the work you've done during your PhD?
1: Yeah, sure. So I started, it's maybe it starts with my master thesis, started to work with the Lagrangian structures and just to look around what they were doing what what kind of uh, information can it give to us. and the main point was okay I have the invariant manifolds and there is something that I can compute and it's very nice for instance in the restricted three-body problem. I can compute or, uh, periodic orbit and I compute the invariant manifolds, and the invariant manifolds give me a lot of information of how I can move around the of body problem. But what happens if I have some perturbation that it's not that I cannot understand or that uh, that I cannot put in formulas? Like uh, it can be the, uh, the solar radiation pressure or something like that. That give you some perturbation that even it's not periodic. If it's periodic, maybe you can kind of compute something similar to a, an invariant manifold, or you can expand and change the, from a periodic orbit to something that is quasi-periodic, and you can compute also some kind of or something like that, and you will have also the invariant manifolds. But what happens if it's not uh, um, something periodic or for instance the solar radiation pressure you can have it and it depends on the sun and it has some peri- periods but it's not uh, as regular and, and so what can we do to understand the problem with with that point and it, well it was when my advisor told me okay maybe you can use this lo- uh, Lagrangian coordinate structures to try to understand what they are doing and a little bit it was my first contact with with them so i spend maybe one year just doing computations and doing to, to learning how to work with them and so on and the idea of the cone structure is quite simple it's uh, we, what we do is we look what happens to two trajectories that are quite close to initial conditions that are, are close and we look if they are at some time after some time they keep a uh, close or they are quite far away and we give a value that it's more or less the distance that they are at what which they are once they, we spend for instance, one unit of time or 10 units of time, uh, fixed units of time. So the idea is that we look which are the highest values and we say, if there are a, there is a high value of this distance, it means that something happens in between. That, that that was the, the, the history behind the Lagrangian current structures. So it seems that it has some relation with the invariant manifolds because invariant manifolds also separates regions. So if you have something that it's at two different sites, you will have something that uh, ha- will be after some time, a uh, very, very long distance from one to the other. So we started working with that and at some, Point of your, comp- your computations, you need to compute the variational equations and the secondation matrix to to compute this distance. That it's not exactly the distance, but we can think to understand and it, in a naive way we can think that it's a distance. Mm-hmm. So, since you need these variational equations, we say okay, we know a technique that allows us to compute the uh, this. These variational equations but not only the variational equations but also the higher order terms of the variational equations. And let's try to use it to see if we can improve a little bit uh, this, this technique of the range structures using more information that do, that that we have uh, only with the variational equations. And it was when we started working with the jet transport or if you talk with people in Milano, they talk, they call the differential algebra that it's exactly the same. So we, we give different names. Oh, but... Taylor... Yeah. Taylor so, po- it... uh, polynomial uh,
0: expanding yeah. the state of the system.
1: Yeah, we, we the Taylor, the Taylor polynomial it's uh, it's an infinite series, so you, you never end and in the traditional mathematics, the jet is called just the truncation of the Taylor polynomial through a, up to a certain order, so this why uh, in Barcelona group, that is where I came. Uh, there were these jet transport that we are transporting the truncation of the jet okay through the differential equation it was this was the origin of the of Of the the word of the name and the differential algebra it's because you are doing algebras with the differential so with the differential part of the equation so most of them have sense and for me it's fine one or the other it's just a a matter of uh, what are we what we use usually and it's fine so at the end of the day we we use it this uh jet transport and just we started using only to compute the the finite level of exponents that you need to compute the lagrangian coordinate structures but uh we say okay since we have more information here can we use and can we extract and expand and try to use other kind of distances or a more fine distances to see if we, if maybe the order two affects in some way to the in to the this distance and or the order three or four or whatever, uh, and can we use this other information that we have uh, to to put it in in this computation of the distance, and this was the one of the reasons that we mixed both kind of things then we on, we move away uh, from the Lagrangian structure that we, it was our main compression point and we try to develop different indicators and different things that can say some something this the, uh, something similar to this Lagrangian structure that it's, uh, how behave the state of the system on time so you no, know, it's it will behave in a similar way to orbits that are close by or will behave in a very different way. And this was one of the main things that uh, drive through the through my th- thesis. So we developed all the uh, jet transport th- things, we developed different techniques, we developed uh, propagators and so on. And then we applied to the to the laryngeal corner structures the, the these new indicators and so on and once we had all this um, machine because it's a big machine that we ha- we developed for a long time we, de- we say okay but maybe we can address other problems other things other other kind of uh, um, problems that can can we ad- address with this technique and we started to think that since a uh, what we were doing was propagating like balls of um, uncertainties of balls of initial conditions. We maybe can apply that to study collision problems or uh, like a collision of two satellites or collision of a satellite with a cloud of um, debris or something like that, that it's traveling around the the earth or the space. And we developed like a second part that at some point we stopped because we didn't have time, enough to complete. And it's quite I would like to return back to that topic and to work a little bit more on because there are some things that are not finished yet. But well, it's like it's the, the state is what it is. But we start working in this uncertain how to propagate uncertainties and how to study the uncertainty. Of a spacecraft and how to say okay if today I have the spacecraft that maybe has a Gaussian distribution, but I don't know where it is exactly. uh, How can I use this information just to um, to propagate and to um, say where it will be after some time, maybe tomorrow or next week? So it was a it was an idea that we were developing, and I know that there was a Chinese guy, I don't remember who, which uh, the, the name of him, but it was working in orbit determination using the jet transport also. So, and using this kind of techniques, uh, it did a uh, very good work also. So it worked here in Barcelona for a year, but I don't remember the name. So I can, I can maybe check at some point and send you, if you are interested in this kind of.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, my group uh, is focused a lot on, uh... Propagation of uncertainty. My position in particular, I'm working on uncertainty quantification and propagation. And uh, uh, people in my group developed uh, what's called the generalized algebra. So it's Mm -hmm. uh, spawning from, uh, uh, I think, spawning from differential algebra or developed independently, not sure. Uh, But the idea is to use uh, different uh, polynomial bases. So Chebyshev polynomials, for example, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, uh, and do the same trick, so to propagate uh, uh, sets instead of initial conditions uh, under some flow, under some dynamical system. So for sure, that, that's interesting. Yeah, uh, that would be interesting if you could send me that. Mm. So, so uh, chronologically, you first applied it to Lagrangian coordinate structures and then to uncertainty
1: yes the chronology was that because well, it was a technique that uh, professor simo gave us in, in a master subject and he said oh there is this uh, but he explained it as like a uh, unknown thing and then i learned that it was something that was quite innovative and that there were not a lot of people working on that that mm-hmm. so uh, when i did the subject it was like okay uh, there is this technique like maybe like Runge-Kutta that it's not something that it's quite known and everybody knows and so on so for me it was at, at the beginning it was like that and then I learned just talking with other people and so on that it was not so common to use this technique so it was when we decided okay let's try to use it to apply it to different things and, and we started with, with the LCS and then we moved uh, to the uncertainty quantification
0: yeah, something something uh, I'd like to discuss is uh, uh, the nomenclature and also the history of Lagrangian coherent structures. So when you presented them, you said there's some kind of distance associated to two initial conditions that are really close together. And there's a lot of work, uh, which I think it's older uh, and it's also independent, so I'm not sure. Uh, I think it's the same thing uh, as the jet transport and differential algebra nomenclature. That have been developed uh, independently from different uh, groups, different fields of research. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of work done, uh, for example, by mathematicians, uh, but also engineers working on asteroid motion and to to detect chaos. So the development mm-hmm. of chaos indicators. Uh, so there's a bunch of names for uh, you, you mentioned finite finite time Lyapunov exponent. There's the fast Lyapunov indicator. There's the uh, uh, Lyapnov characteristic exponent. Uh, a lot of names uh, that indicate the same idea. Uh, so I don't know if you never, if you ever encountered the, this uh, tricky aspect of uh, dealing with the same idea
1: but reading different names. Mm, yes, and a lot of times <laughs> because so. In Norway, I started, I did my uh, mathematician, so I I grew up as a mathematician, so I study math and so on. And from a point of view of math, it's all very pure, and some of mathematicians like to say, no, math is nice because it's math, and we don't need any implication of math. I didn't match quite a lot in that feeling, and I I looked for some place where to apply what I have learned. So is why I and I started to to work in this more engineering world. So I uh, know at, at this moment I am in a point that I am too applied to be mathematician, but too abstract to be engineer. So I am in the middle of nowhere. Like the good point is that there is a bunch of people that it's like me, so I am not alone. Mm -hmm. But I learned that from time to time, there are some names and some things that uh, when, I I as a mathematician know with a name and an engineer know know as another name and maybe a physicist know, know that thing as another name. It happens with the state transition matrix. Or it happened. So there are a lot of things that has different names that at the end of the day are more or less the same. So uh, it's a something that I learned just to when I don't know something or something someone asked me about uh, a topic or uh, or, ho- or for instance what we were you were saying the Lyapunov exponent or the finite time exponent or which are the difference. It's okay. Let's see it. Let's bit see which which are the differences let's compare a little bit between them and most of the times at the end it's the same there are small differences and but the idea that they are that it's behind it's more or less the same so it's true that for instance as mathematicians uh, i will say they or we i don't know which word to use Uh, but mathematicians don't like the Finite time, so because finite time it's something that there, it's like it's not a characteristic of it's not not a general characteristic, but something that will happen in a small time. So we use the of exponent or the of characteristic or something like that. That it's a limit when the time goes to infinity of more or less the finite time Leibniz exponent. Let's say there are small differences, but more or less is that. But from a point of view of an engineer, uh, it's more interesting maybe the finite time because you don't mind what will happen when the universe will end will end because it's too far away. We need something that it's more it's closer to to what we are doing now. Or for instance, it happens. It's something that happened to me visiting Professor Howell in the States that. I was focused and I was trying to do some regularization in the restricted body problem because I wanted to avoid the collision with the moon with some orbits that happen to me that give me bad results with the Lagrangian coordinate structures. And she told me, okay, but why do you want to compute this regularization? Well, because maybe I am too close to the moon, and if I am close to the moon, the Lagrangian coordinate structure will give me bad uh, results and so on. And then she told me, "But if you are doing regularization, you are already inside the moon, so you already crashed the moon, so you don't need to to compute the regularization for those cases because these are cases that will never happen right. so it's the, the two ways of thinking and the the two ways of uh, of how to uh, look at the same problem that I learn a little bit to to mix them and to i like to to say that i am not mathematician that works with engineers but we are as the same group of people that we are working the same problem and there are different points of view of course but both points of view are interesting and have their own interest and their, their own way to progress and to make the problem advance and to find solutions all that so I I think that I have gone a lot of the your, uh, of your question, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. I, you
0: were you were answering, and and also I can add maybe something that I I have the feeling that we will have to do, and and we are both doing it actually. So it's a, a feeling that's based on some facts. Uh, that also computer science is gonna become a, a strong component of every expert sure. in our field in sure. in the field of celestial mechanics, let's call it astrodynamics, whatever. Uh, but uh, the the distinction between computer scientists and uh, space engineers and applied mathematician is shrinking, I think. And uh, and I mean, we are, we are two examples, but I, as you said, there are many people that don't really fit in one box, and. Uh, so it's it's something interesting to see and also uh it's a nice place to be. I think you you can confirm this or not, uh to to look for really new ways of doing research, new new roads to 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 look into. Cause you, you you have a lot of cross-fertilization just just by being yourself.
1: Yes. Actually, we already talked about the AI and so on that it's emerging quite a lot in the in the literature and so on. And I'm for sure it's so. I don't like people that uh, just focus on one thing, and so you you must be open to other ideas and to other things that for sure will will improve and will enrich the the research that is that we are doing.
0: Mm-hmm. So I have one question about uh, related to your PhD still. Uh, I mean, not not directly, but one idea I had looking at your body of works is... Uh, so you, you applied the jet transport to lagrange coherent structures, then you applied it for uncertainty quantification. Then you looked, as you said, in the relation between Lagrangian coherent structures and invariant manifolds, not in this order, but uh, yeah, these were the main points, let's say. Uh, did you ever think about uh, putting together in some way Lagrangian current structures and uncertainty quantification? So using LCS for computing the probability of collision? I don't know.
1: No, we didn't. (laughs) It would be probably something interesting to do, but uh, the way of the LCS we like, we end up saying, okay, it's quite something quite equivalent, but, we didn't like and at that time i was in a mathematician mode mm-hmm. in the meaning in the sense that okay i had the invariant manifold and the so i i can try if it, this is the invariant manifold that was the lcs so they were not matching completely 100 percent, and since i was in this mathematician mode and i say okay this is not interesting because it will not go well with what i am doing mm-hmm. and we stopped a little bit this lcs thing later on i revisited the topic and i say okay let's look again again and so on and we'll start to look that uh, there, there are there is also information that we can extract from the lcs and this was the the that we start to to move again and it's why i'm trying to learn new things to apply them to the to to try, can try to detect them automatically and so on and yes we we observe that for stability practical stability reasons and things like that can be used i don't see a direct way to use with, uh, pro- to compute the probability of collisions or something like that, but, uh, maybe thinking a little bit, it could be interesting also.
0: Yeah. It's an, ob- I, I don't have an answer. I, I just oh. said, uh, just looking at your topics, let's say the keywords of your research, uh, and also inspired by a work, uh, which I found interesting by, uh, Ross, uh, mm-hmm. the astrodynamicist um which uh which worked a lot recently on lagrangian structures and recently yeah. published it i worked uh, I work on uh, uh, how to uh, perform reduced order modeling using lcs <laughs> as for some kind of fluid the flow i guess some continuous flow uh, so uh, so i was thinking okay lcs can be used even for reduced order modeling that's that's nice I haven't looked the paper, I just read the abstract, but uh, I thought, okay, uh, maybe maybe there's something uh, we are still not leveraging from LCS that could be mm-hmm. used for, for uncertainty quantification, that was just my, mm-hmm. it, I, don't, I don't know if yeah. you have something to add to that.
1: I, it's it's interesting. Uh, I, I never thought about that because, as I said, it was like, uh, for us, it was two topics very different and very isolated. So the key po- the marriage point was the jet transport. And from the jet tra- transport, we say, okay, applications that we can use with jet transport, that and that. But it's true that we never did, like, the, it's a triangle. We never yeah. rejoined the the remaining edge. So it would be interesting to think a little bit. and. Uh, and try to to close the triangle, yeah
0: uh, okay. can we now go into your work uh, you did you, during your postdoc mm-hmm. and, uh, in the, in the details of the technicalities of uh, the optimal control you mentioned that you worked on uh, low energy transfers uh, from the earth to the moon yeah uh, which kind of techniques did you apply to do that?
1: So um, when I started the the postdoc, I went, I was in the Kness and working with Richard Penoa that he's a specialist in what is called uh, indirect optimization, that the idea of the indirect optimization needs uh, to use the Pontreghi maximum principle to find the optimum of, to find the optimal solution of a problem. So the idea is that you have to solve a problem, let's say, to, to minimize the time or to minimize the fuel uh, given uh, an initial conditions or given a given vector field that in our case was the problem or the circular problem. Mm-hmm. So we started uh, with that in mind and with this kind of indirect method. So with a direct, direct method, usually what you do is you say, okay, I am in point A, I want to arrive to point B. And I will discretize uh, around all the trajectory and each let's say each day I will put a cutting point and I will try to arrive from A to A1 to A2 to A3 till I arrive to B. That it's the final the final my final solution. And what you do is you have a bunch of intermediate points. And since you are cutting the problem, it's easier to say from point A to point B, I will arrive using that orbit from uh, and using that trust and so on. So this is the direct and usual way of of working. And probably the way that it's more used, let's say, with the indirect optimi- optimization, what you do, it's a, it's a you look. Instead of putting more points, what you do is you introduce a bunch of variables that are, co- are called co states. So you have your states and your co states. And with that uh, bunch of variables, you introduce some additional restrictions to your problem. So instead of working in a problem that it's uh, let's say seven dimensional if you are going, uh, taking into account positions, velocities and mass, of your spacecraft, you have 14. So for each state, you have a co-state associated. Then the idea is that uh, you can, if you fulfill some conditions, so you increase your initial conditions or your final conditions, the restrictions on those conditions, you you restrict a little bit more. So you can guarantee that you are in an optimal solution. So. The idea is that we you move you put more initial conditions, more variables to integrate, but you guarantee that you are in. If you find a solution of that, you guarantee that uh, that's an optimal solution. So this is a little bit different. Instead of trying and doing this kind of shooting methods to arrive to the solution, you try to find a solution of that problem that it's more it's bigger in some sense but has less intermediate points mm-hmm.
0: okay.
1: so the idea was to use that uh, to use uh, to incorporate the low thrust and to go from the earth to the moon uh in an optimal trajectory in terms of full nothing not in, not in terms of, of time that uh, you, because well for the nature of the low thrust devices you cannot uh, you cannot expect to have an optimal on time but an optimal on thrust <clears> on <throat> on and the idea was that and we start to try and do things and what you end up doing is just a shutting method to to find this solution because you have a um, a boundary problem that you have the initial condition you want to arrive to a final condition so you try to solve that the problem was that this problem was quite difficult to um, to solve because uh, since you are using uh, low thrust you cannot do a large thrust and to break down the your spacecraft so you cannot do this kind of arrive to the moon like in I arrived tangency to the orbit that I want and I break down and I stopped in that orbit, but you need to do kind of spirals uh, spiraling down to the moon to decrease your your semi major axis, essentially. Mm-hmm. So uh, we had problems and we need to, we tried first a continuation technique just starting very far away. From the moon from the orbit that we wanted and start decreasing the orbit uh, step by step with a continuation so each time the duration of the flight was longer but we arrived uh, to a shorter distance closer to the moon but that didn't work so we say okay let's try to do some massive explorations just to see if we can find some kind of of results and do, doing some tricks instead of working from the earth to the moon we did backwards propagation because in the problem assumption we had a, a proportion in a, a high thrust proportion in the exit of the, the earth just because the launcher can give it so this helps you to say, okay, if you arrive to that orbit or to that point with a different velocity, you can break down using the your propulsion, your high thrust propulsion. So we we did this change of uh, of idea to work in backwards propagation just to take profit of this kind of of trajectories, and we did a bunch. So i remember, it was a summer that I spent the full summer just exploring initial states final states just to find a bunch of trajectories that end up we end up to uh, by classifying uh, in different families of orbits that we like and we say okay there are these four class, four main families of orbits that they are like very long time but very short fuel consumption they are medium time medium fuel consumption so on so we did this kind of classification. So this was the main work that we did. And once we finish that, we say, OK, now let's try to expand that and to, to move to what happens in a real system. So we were working in the bicircular, bicircular problem, but the bicircular problem has some difference. Uh, I was in a in a PhD defense. Uh, I think that was last month or in December. I think that it was that uh, they did some experiments. And for instance, the L2 point in the bicircular problem does doesn't behave as in the restricted problem. So there are some very interesting things there that cannot, you cannot say that it's exactly the same. So We say, okay, we want to apply for this phase in the moon. uh, When we are close to the moon, let's try to see if we can do some kind of uh, optimization also here to to, to find the orbit that we want. So we started in a quite far orbit and the objective was to reduce the semi-major axis and to arrive with a given inclination to the orbit that we wanted. So the idea here was, okay, let's start by what I would do if I was diving. That is, I want to go there. So I I will point there just to see if, uh, if this is, if I can arrive. And this more or less worked, but we observed that we cannot ensure the optimality of the trajectory. So to ensure that we say, okay, I will go there, but I will put on my thrust a coefficient that will allow me to ensure the optimality by using the Lyapunov functions. Okay. That the idea is if I have a function that the derivative so if I have a function that is the that give me the the um, ah, the function of the, the objective function, and I can compute derivative on them. If I am negative, I will decrease, so I will optimize. This mm-hmm. the idea of the of, of this Lyapunov function theory, that you have something that is equivalent to your objective function. See, and you look for negative derivative of your movement. And using this coefficient that we added at the beginning, uh, we uh, we managed to see that for some orbits this this function was always decreasing because it has negative derivative. So we were going to an optimal point. So this is the idea of the second part. Okay. And the advantage of that was that we were working in a full ephemeris problem with perturbations and so on so i honestly i don't remember now if we put a lot of perturbations or not because the idea was to put them and at some point we were discussing what which perturbations do we put and i remember that we added for sure earth and sun perturbations because we are we were around the moon and i don't remember now if we added uh the perturbation of solar radiation pressure or something like that but in principle it should be quite relatively easy to to add to the program It's just to compute this function with these um, perturbations and it was prepared but since I moved to so I finished my postdoc I started working in at the unit where I am working now and it was quite uh, messy days and as I told you uh, I started working in different topics and the group where I, so we don't have a celestial mechanics group in my university now. So I was quite completely alone in that part. I keep collaborating with people that I was working, but I didn't have a lot of time to to work on them. So it was, it's something that it's there waiting for me to have time to come back and to finish some some of those things that for sure are very interesting, but unfortunately the time is finite and and we, well, I would like to work, but I I'm have a lot of students to attend and so on. So I try what I can. Okay. And how can you tell me a bit about the teaching to
0: close up the conversation? Uh, how is, how's is it going?
1: Let's say, how is the experience
0: of teaching going for you?
1: I love teaching so the point is that actually when I finished my PhD uh, my postdoc, Agnes, uh, I was thinking okay maybe I go to a secondary school to teach just because because I like to teach so uh, I was thinking okay I will do I will prepare the courses that I need just to be accredited and to uh, that the states allow me to state allowed me to go to so I don't know exactly the each country works a little bit different but here in Spain you need to pass some master courses to allow that to be able to go to a secondary school and just to teach math and to teach some maybe physics or something like that I would I would like but I had that opportunity in the university where I am now that it was like um, a surprise for me because I was not expecting to find a job at the at the university, and it was quite fast. So I was one day in a conference and I received a call. Uh, look, I have seen your CV. Uh, do you want to come with us because we need a professor for model mathematical modeling? And I say okay, and from that time I started to to look a little bit and the job was interesting and i really like to teach a lot and if you ask me what do you prefer research or teaching probably i will stay with the teaching and the problem is that i think that you cannot teach at the university without research Mm -hmm. so but so you, you need both of them and and at some so what I like more is just to see the students uh, how they progress, how they start knowing nothing, and how uh, step by step they progress, they advance, they they do interesting questions and things that the students the students themselves say, okay, uh, I didn't understand that, but now I understand, and I, I have that question, and so this kind of things that that you see that you have put a sheet in in them, and it's growing, and you now. They have some questions that they would never have, and they would never think that they will have. And these kind of things I, is what I like of the teaching and nice and all, and all that. It's true that I miss to be at, in a classroom just teaching with the students with me, because everything that I do is with a webcam and so on. So I miss this of looking at them and their faces, and if they are like that, uh, that you see. You are not understanding anything, okay? I will re- recap. Or if they are with a smile and what, when do you do some jo- jokes, and that it's not the same. You feel, this feeling; it's missing still. But I think that at some moment we will be able to to fill the gap with the internet also. And... Ah, okay. You think yeah. so? You think we can? Sure, sure. sure. Nowadays, I would never think that I would have more than half of the of my class studying from America, for instance. And now I have half of my class from America for sure. So at some point, I think that this can be closed for sure. It's it's a matter of time and maybe technology, but uh, at some point we will be able to, to feel closer and maybe it's I am not uh, saying like uh, in Star Trek or Star Wars that they have all these fancy things that the professor is just like, uh, how it's called? These images that are in 3D, yeah, in an hologram. But something more closer that you can see the students and you can, I think that it will be possible. Yeah. I am optimistic with that. that Uh, for, for
0: sure, COVID is put is putting a lot of pressure in that sense. Yeah, also the uh, the software we're using now, for example, uh, I mean they're 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 growing a lot. They're they're changing quickly to adapt to the situation. And uh, I was thinking you were about to say, I hope we can soon go back to in person. Uh, but you said I hope we can soon. Uh, fill the gap with the technology and
1: i mean yeah uh, i don't see why not uh... i mean for sure in person will be always different it's uh, for instance not the same to do some game board uh, table table board games uh, for instance to play risk or monopoly or those big games or maybe catan or the, the, those that are, that are newer Uh, with friends that through internet, it's not the same. So uh, the experience is you have the beer, you have the whatever, the jokes, the things that happens around the game are not the same, but nowadays you can do it and you can meet people, you can meet uh, family. So I think that it's closing quite a lot and there are steps still to do, but at some point I think that it will be possible that doesn't mean that I don't like to meet people in person. <laughs> so if there are conference again, I would like to to meet you uh, in a conference and to take a coffee, that for sure. But meanwhile, and to f- feel a little bit uh, these times so for instance, maybe we don't need to go to a conference just to talk because we can just talk through whatever s- software that we are d- using and that's fine. And we don't need to 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 wait for the conference that will happen in September. And is that is this the so the mixture and the and the fusion of both? It's like we were saying before. It's not I am mathematician and so I am scientist and we work in different things. And so I think that it here happens the same. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, for sure. I can see it after the pandemic. Uh... As an example, a small example, but after the pandemic, I'm going to continue this this project. So, uh, because it's useful, it's, uh, I mean, it's, as you said, we don't need to wait six months. We don't need to, to, to go to the other part of the world to, to have a coffee and discuss, but we can discuss about technicalities and also sure. just meet each other. Uh, virtually and that's something we can take from the pandemic uh, yeah. we we can learn we can yeah so yeah thanks a lot for your time
1: you're welcome uh, it has I been very nice to
0: the, the conversation
1: it has been very nice to be with you and and to break down a little bit uh, the students and to talk al- and to do some retrospective with of my my job that it has been a long time that there were some topics that uh, I had never I, I didn't revisit it so it has been very nice to, to explain to you and as I told you if you are whatever whenever you need some help or or some advice or whatever just ask me because I am open I am either by mail or through any other um social media or social network i am open to to talk and to collaborate yeah thanks. that's a really nice uh, way of working
0: to, to see sure